Glad to see everybody here. You know, I've been preaching about the kingdom of God the last couple of weeks. The first first week, of course, we were we were talking about uh, the fact that the kingdom was coming, and that it had had to do basically in their minds, the people that Jesus came to and John came to, had to do with judgment. They felt like judgment was getting ready to fall upon the world. And it did. Judgment came crashing down on Calvary. Jesus stood in our place and received the judgment that God had reserved for those who oppose him. Jesus said, they deserve it. I will take the punishment. So judgment came. And a lot of people do not understand that. They they don't they don't think that that's that's really what happened. They think, well, the time's coming when God's going to judge us, and we're going to put in be put in balances, and we'll have our good on one side and our bad on the other side, and that's what's going to happen, unless you're in Jesus Christ, because if you are in the arms of Jesus, when the time comes and the books are opened, He's going to open a blank sheet on your bad side. And a full sheet on your good side. Because Jesus is going to erase all those things that you've done bad. But if you've not come into Jesus Christ, you're going to have to stand on your own. And he will balance good and bad. And I don't want that. I don't want to have to stand there and hope that I can please God by the good person I've been. So we talked about that judgment. Then last week we talked about the fact that Jesus is the king. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and He became that after His resurrection from the dead. It didn't happen before, but it did happen afterwards. But when we're talking about kingdom, we we have to remember that, that most of us come to any subject or any situation with preconceived ideas, don't we? We already have some opinions formulated. So we look at things through what some people call rose-colored glasses, which means we taint things, we color things, by our own experience. When, When a jury is selected in this country and in Great Britain and other places, when a jury of our peers is selected, and especially in, on, in, in regard to a heinous crime, the judge will instruct the jurors that they, that they have to be they have to be neutral in their judgment. That they can't come into a courtroom and sit on a jury and already have formed an opinion. Now that's not possible, is it? <laughs> you, you form opinions. We all form opinions. And we all have, have an idea in our own minds of, of uh, what we believe and what we accept and what we believe is right. So when the kingdom came, when, when John the Baptist said, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there are two terms used in the Bible in the New Testament. Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. And they're interchangeable. Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven. And that's kind of interesting to me. He uses the term kingdom of heaven predominantly. A few times he uses the term kingdom of God. But some say this is, this is because Matthew was speaking to the Jews. And they didn't like to pronounce the name of God and would not do it. And so, in deference to their, to their prejudice and their bias, 
He didn't use the word God as much as he did use the word heaven. And I think about, uh, I'm just telling you what people say. I think about that and I think, well, you know, Matthew was a publican. Why would he be so concerned about the attitude of the Jews? So some of these things don't always add up. Regardless of that, Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven predominantly. Luke uses the term kingdom of God, and so does Mark, and so forth. And then, uh, of course, John uses both, both terms. But when, when the kingdom came, the warning was, it's not going to be what you think it is. Now, that, you have to plant that in your mind. The kingdom is not what you think it is. Now, in the book of Luke, in chapter 8, at verse 9 and 10, the disciples asked asked Jesus, uh, what what, what about this parable? He had taught them a parable. And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that that they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. He said, It is a mystery of the kingdom. When, when God sent Jesus to this earth, he sent a shock wave through the earth. And it's still reverberating around us. God didn't do anything that we thought he would do. He sent his son to rule this world, to rule the earth, to rule the hearts of men. And he put him in a manger, in a cow pen, in a, in a cattle stall. Now, can you imagine such a thing as that? Instead of elevating him to to what we would consider to be his rightful place, the throne, what did he do? Put him on a cross. So when we're thinking about the kingdom, we have to think in terms of shock value. Maybe this is not what he had in mind when we think about kingdom. We think about kingdoms in, in different ways. For instance, Psalms 47, 7 says, God is the king of all the earth. Well, we understand that. Sure we do. And then in Daniel chapter 4, when Daniel was carried into Babylonian captivity, Israel was divided into two parts, two, two kingdoms. One was Judea and Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin and Judea. And the other was, was the, tribes of, the other ten tribes of Israel. And so the tribes of Israel went north and, and avoided coming to the city of Jerusalem to worship God. And the tribes of Judah, and that's where the word Jew comes from, Judah. The tribe of Judah and Benjamin stayed south and stayed in Jerusalem. Well, eventually both parts of Israel were carried into captivity. The northern tribes were carried into captivity about 700 years before Christ, 721 some say. And they were carried off by the Assyrians, Sennacherib, who was the leader then. The southern tribes were carried into Babylonian captivity by a fellow by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king, and he was the king of all the earth as far as he was concerned. He had a, he had a dream. He carried some of the Judah into, well, he carried all of Judah into, his, into captivity in, into Babylon. And he, he had a fellow there by the name of Daniel that he had a lot of confidence in because Daniel had interpreted a dream for him earlier. And so he was impressed with him. And here he calls Daniel because he's had another dream. And in the book of Daniel in chapter 4, if you'd like to turn to that, it's kind of an interesting word. 
Uh, interesting, interesting statement. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar wants Daniel to tell him the dream. And so the first four verses, Nebuchadnezzar the king made a statement. He said, Unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God has wrought toward me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is from generation to generation. So old Nebuchadnezzar recognized that God was the king over the whole world. He recognized that. And he stated that. He didn't recognize it very long, as a matter of fact. In part of his dream, Daniel interpreted another dream. And Nebuchadnezzar got to, got to feeling pretty good about himself and exalted himself. And Daniel said, you know what's going to happen, Nebuchadnezzar? You're going to be driven into the wilderness and seven times will pass over you. Your fingernails will grow long like claws and your hair will grow long like feathers. He said, you'll be covered like a wild person in, in the wilderness. Seven years. And that happened. And when, when Nebuchadnezzar came back and God restored him back into his kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar realized that he wasn't quite the fellow he thought he was. And at it, it, verse uh, 36 in chapter 4, he says, My reason returned unto me, that's when he came back after seven years, for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned to me, and my counselors, my Lord, sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now that tells us all about this kingdom. What a, what a kingdom he had, and what he thought he had. In chapter 5, verse 34, he makes another statement. He's, he's, a, he's, he's pretty, pretty obvious about what he does. And he makes it, let's see, it's chapter 5, let me get the right verse here. I think it's chapter 4, verse 34 in Daniel, yeah. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. So he, he got his thinking straight and he came back and he said okay i recognize that god is overall now let me let me just stop right here and say okay here's what's going on we recognize that god rules in the kingdoms of men we recognize that he's overall but that is not his kingdom wait that is not his kingdom because John said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said it's at hand. The kingdom of heaven was coming. That's not the kingdom of heaven. That's just the fact that God was over all. Period. We, we recognize that before we recognize anything else. But there's something special about where God rules. Something special about his domain. Because when Jesus was standing before Pilate, you remember the conversation they were having? Pilate said, are you a king? He was concerned because the rulers brought Jesus to him and said, Here, we, we can't do anything with this fellow. He's, he's, he's making blasphemy statements. And Pilate said, I don't have anything to do with your religious stuff. They said, Wait. He's claiming he's a king. And so Pilate said, he brought Jesus face to face and said, Are you a king? And Jesus said, You have said. He said, But my kingdom is not of this world. Whoa. Here's something that we've got to get hold of. 
My kingdom is not of this world. And as a matter of fact, when Judas came out to take Jesus into custody in Matthew chapter 26, and he came up to him and he gave him a kiss, and Peter got incensed about this whole thing, he drew a sword and he cut off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And Jesus told Peter, he said, put your sword up. He said, don't you know that I could presently call for twelve legions of angels? And his servants would fight. He said, but my servants don't fight. Not that way anyway. Okay, so there's something different about this kingdom. Let's see if we can get a hold of it. Let's just talk in terms, instead of all, you know, sometimes you hear people say, well, here's what a kingdom is. A kingdom is a king. A kingdom is a territory. A kingdom is a law. A kingdom is a citizenship. You've heard that, haven't you, Chip? All your life, I imagine. Those four things. Basically, you know what a kingdom is? A kingdom is a king and a domain where the king rules supreme. Absolutely, with no question and no competition. That's what a kingdom is. A king and a domain where he rules. Now, I'll tell you where God rules. You say, well, he rules over the whole world. But not in his kingdom. That's not where he's ruling. He's not ruling. He, and, and there are a lot of people that, well, I'll deal with this a little bit next week if you want to come back and hear some more about the kingdom. There are a lot of people who believe that God is going to come back and rule the whole world with armies and with force. Well, let's, let's, let's just keep in mind that that's not the kingdom. Jesus said, that's, my kingdom is not of this world. That's, he doesn't have that type of kingdom. What type of kingdom do you have, Lord? He said, I have, I have a domain. I'm a king. And God said, you're my king. And you know what? The domain is basically the only domain he had at that point where he ruled without contest, where God was the ruler, complete, with no objection, with nobody opposing him, was in his son Jesus. That's the only place God ruled. Absolutely. And he ruled absolutely. Now, in Matthew chapter 4, have you ever wondered why this statement is made? When, uh, when Jesus came up from the waters of baptism, John baptizing, heaven was opened and God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know what that means? That means that that boy, Jesus, he was 30 years old at that time, has never done anything to oppose me. He's never been rebellious. He's always pleased me. And I am pleased in Him. He's the only one God ever said that about. Did you know that? Well, He talked about David. He said, David's a man after my own heart. But David opposed God, didn't he? He, not, you say, well, David and Bathsheba, sure he did. But later on, he chose his son Absalom over the safety of his own people. And later on, he counted all the men of Israel because he was sort of proud and puffed up about what a great kingdom he had. And he, he got into trouble for these things. But Jesus never got into trouble, never stepped out of line. So where did God rule? Absolutely, without contest. He ruled in His Son, Jesus. That's where He ruled. In, in Matthew chapter 17, 
Peter, James, and John went with Jesus up on a high mountain. And there it said that he was transfigured before them. He had, they saw white light. He was in white raiment and his face was shining like the sun. And Peter was so overwhelmed, he wasn't overwhelmed to start with, because he and the other fellows went to sleep. And when they woke up, they saw this. And Peter was so impressed, he said, Lord, let's make three, three tabernacles. He, of course, he saw Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, standing, talking to Jesus. Let's make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And Jesus said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Now there's one other statement that I want to introduce in this. In John chapter 8 verse 29. Where Jesus said, talking about his father. He said, I do always those things that please him. Jesus never once stepped out of line. Never once. Not one, in his whole, not one time in his whole life. He always did exactly what his father wanted him to do. Now I can't say that. You can't, no man on earth could say that except this man, the son of man, Jesus of Nazareth. So where was God ruling? Absolutely, without question, without contest, without contradiction, without rejection. Where was he ruling? He was ruling in his son. So what I'm going to tell you is that the kingdom was Jesus. He's the kingdom. Now let's see if this is correct. Let's look at some text in the New Testament. Let's see, see if this is, this is what's going on. Now, I have, to, I have to remind you again that sometimes God stuns us with things that we're not expecting. So I was expecting that Jesus would come and he would be, you'd, you'd catch him in the bloodline. He's, he's coming in the kingship. And so here we'd say, well, okay, Jesus, this is, a, this is the kingdom in embryo form because it's the son and the kingdom's in him and it's going to sprout later. No, the kingdom was there at that time. And it was in his son, Jesus. He is the kingdom. Because he is the only place where God ruled absolutely, the only domain in the whole world where God ruled absolutely. Now, in Luke 16, at verse 16, the text says, The law and the prophets were until John. And what was going on here? Some of the ambassadors, some of the uh, disciples of John had come to Jesus and asked about John and asked about whether or not Jesus was the Christ. And when Jesus responded, he, he told him to go and, and tell John that the uh, deaf hear, the dumb speak, and the, you know, the dead are raised, and so forth. But then he said, the law and the prophets were until John, and after that time, all men press into it. Luke 16 and 16. I want you to I want to read this for you because it's, a, it's an important text. Luke 16, 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. How are you pressing into the kingdom? And he said, It's easier for heaven and earth to pass than for one tittle of the law to fail. The kingdom of, uh, kingdom of heaven was until John. That's John the Baptist. After that, well, what, what does it mean after that? Did you know what happened right after John the Baptist began to preach? Jesus came. He introduced Jesus. He said the law and the prophets were until John. After that, the kingdom is preached and all men press into it. They're pushing into it. 
In Matthew chapter 11 and at verse 12, let's see if we can follow this, make sure we're seeing the right thing. All men press into it. Matthew chapter 11. This is the same context that John the Baptist's disciples had come to him. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. How are they taking the kingdom by force? Because they were laying violent hands upon the Son of God. If they were handling Jesus with violence, that means they were handling the kingdom of God with violence. In uh, another text along the same line, let me just, just introduce several of them so we, we understand what's going on. When Jesus was accused of casting out demons by the father of demons, in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, he said, If I, by the finger of God, cast out demons... Then is the kingdom of God come upon you. He said, if I'm casting out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom has come upon you. He is the kingdom. He has come upon them. And in Luke chapter 17, at verse 20 and 21, which we just read a while ago, the kingdom of God comes not by observation. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you or is among you. Jesus was among them. He was the kingdom. And he was among them. In Luke chapter 10, at verse 9 and 10, he, he uh, told the disciples, told his apostles to go out and teach. And he said, teach and preach that the kingdom of God has come near. How did the kingdom of God come near? Because Jesus had come near. And that's where the kingdom was. The kingdom was in his son. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 28, he said, there are many standing here that shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. You know when the kingdom of God came with power? When Jesus came with power on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Jesus told the apostles, go into the city of Jerusalem, wait until you be endued with power from on high. And so they did. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they stood up and began to preach. And they preached that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. That was the power, and the power of the, of the heaven is encapsulated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said. It is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God in the kingdom of God was Jesus Christ coming into the lives of men and women and allowing them access into the kingdom. You say, well, and I'm going to get that in just a minute. What is the kingdom? The kingdom of, we're going to tell you again, the kingdom of Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 21, and let's just read a couple of more passages to make sure we have this accurate. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus was talking about the, uh, the stone that the builders had rejected in verse 42. The same has become the head of the corner. This the Lord's doing is marvelous in our eyes. He's talking about Jesus being the head of the, being the stone. He said, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. The kingdom of God taking from you. What he's saying? What's he saying? God is going to take me from you and give me 
to all the nations, to all the world. So they don't have the exclusive rights to Jesus Christ. Isn't that nice? I don't know how many of you can trace your genealogy back to David or back to to any of the 12 tribes of Israel. As a matter of fact, in the book of Galatians, Paul said, don't even do that. That's that's foolishness. Don't, Don't get involved in genealogies. The point is that Jesus Christ was taken from the Jews because they rejected him and he was given to the nations, given to the world. The kingdom was taken from them. Now, how do the Jews get into the kingdom? The same way you do, by the way. The same way you get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But this is, this is what he's telling them. And he's saying, Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. On whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind into powder. He's basically talking about himself. And he says in, in chapter 13 of the book of Luke, and sometimes we run across these texts and we wonder, well, what, what's he talking about? And, and if we understand that he's talking about the fact that the kingdom was his son, Jesus Christ, then we understand basically what's going on when he makes statements like this. So he, he's talking about entering the narrow gate in, in Luke chapter 13. He's saying, uh, he's saying, strive to enter into the straight gate for many, I say, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. I'm at verse 24 in Luke 13. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, you begin to stand outside and, and knock at the door, saying, Lord, open unto us. He shall answer and say unto you, I don't know you whence you are. Then shall they begin to say, We've eaten and drinking in your presence. Well, he's talking to people at that time. Jesus, was. he said, I'm sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came only to Israel. And when Israel rejected him, they cast him out. They cast out the kingdom. They said, we don't want this kingdom. We want another kingdom. What they wanted was, they wanted a king to come to them. They wanted to coronate him king, like kings are usually coronated. They wanted him to raise an army. And they wanted him to put down all their enemies and establish peace on their terms throughout the whole world. But Jesus said, that's not my kingdom. That's not the kind of kingdom we have here. What is the kingdom? God's kingdom is encapsulated in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's where the kingdom is. They say, well, we've, we've, we've known you. And He said, uh, you'll begin to say, we've eaten and drunk in your presence. Then you've taught in our streets. He shall say, I tell you, depart from me. I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about being able to sit down in the kingdom of God in just a minute. But right now he's saying, you're, you're rejecting the kingdom. What did they do? They rejected Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, Many will come from the east and the west, those who are not of Israel, and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. Jesus was crowned king in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, and every knee shall bow before him. Okay. Now, here's, here's something that, that uh, we, we uh, consider very carefully, and that is that after Jesus rose from the dead, there, God gave us the opportunity... To come into Jesus Christ. 
be baptized into Jesus Christ. That's, that's what these people asked. As a matter of fact, in, in Acts chapter 2, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? When they realized they had crucified Jesus, he said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now I'm going to read a, a text from Galatians chapter 1. And, and in that text... He, he tells us, let's see, I'm sure, let me get the right text here. I've got the wrong text. I'm, it should be in... Colossians 1. There I am. I knew it was in the Bible. And I knew I'd studied it this week. <laughs> Colossians 1 at verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about Jesus and all that He incorporates within Himself. Okay? So if you're in the kingdom of God, it's because you are in Jesus Christ. And he says in chapter 1, verse 14, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So every time we talk about being in Christ, we have to be talking about being in the domain of God, because if Jesus is the domain of God, you say, well, but we, we, we're not absolutely completely in subjection to God. And we're not, because we sin. How can God bring me into, a, into His kingdom if I have to be completely, totally subjected to Him and without any problems, without any rejection of Him, without any sin? As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about the fact that we can't bring our sin with us into the kingdom, which means we can't bring our sin into Jesus Christ. We can't bring our life, we can't bring our sinful life into Jesus. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That means that in order for me to come into Jesus Christ, I have to leave my sins behind. I, I can't come in and drag my sins in with me. He says, Know ye not, be not deceived, neither fornicators, or adulterers, or adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves of mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. Now, Ephesians talks about us being in Christ or coming into Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven which are on earth in him. What we're saying is that being in Christ is being in the kingdom which means now we are totally identified with Jesus of Nazareth. Totally identified. You've become the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Now, think with me just a minute. We are now, once we're in Christ, we have had our sins forgiven, and we are in the kingdom. 
If he's the kingdom, we're in the kingdom, right? He's translated us from the power of darkness into his kingdom as his son. And we're told that it's an everlasting kingdom. How can it be an everlasting kingdom? Because Jesus is everlasting. That's how it can be everlasting. As long as I hook up with him, well, I'm everlasting too. But if I'm not with him, I'm out on my own and I'm not everlasting. But if I'm with him in the everlasting kingdom of his son, then I'm with him and we're both everlasting, right? Because he is. Not because I am, but because he is. And I'm attached to him. So I'm in Christ. I'm in the kingdom in that sense. And 1 Corinthians 15 at verse 24 says, He shall deliver up the kingdom to God the Father when he shall put down all rule, authority, and power. When he shall abolish death, he'll deliver up the kingdom. What's he talking about? He'll deliver up all those people that he has claimed, that he has sanctified, that he's washed, that he's justified. He's, he's, it's you he's talking about. He's going to deliver you up. Now, let's see if, if we can... I don't know if I can get this clear. When we are citizens of the United States of America, and it's a, kind of a lame illustration, but I think it helps. We are citizens of the United States of America, and we have certain rights and certain protections, right? So we go to another country, and we, we uh, are establish ourselves in that country. We're just visiting. We're a tourist or whatever it may be. Something happens that goes wrong, and uh, it looks like we're going to get in trouble. And you know what the first thing is that we say? I'm a citizen. I'm an American citizen. You can't do that to me. Because the United States government has thrown its cover over me, its big bubble, and it will protect me. Right? That's what we usually think about. Back in the 50s, late 50s, there were a couple of fellows that wrote a book called The Ugly American. You ever hear about that one? They were talking about America's misbehavior in Asia. Later on, uh, there was another. There was a movie made, another book written in the '63. Marlon Brando was part of it, and it was a movie called *The Ugly American*. But from that, people began to get this concept that sometimes Americans are ugly, right? So they would go to another country and they'd stomp around and slam their fist on the table and said, "Hey, you're going to pay attention to me. I'm an American citizen." And so we got the reputation in the 60s whenever we went to foreign countries of being the ugly American. We don't want to be the ugly citizen in the kingdom of God. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that just because we're in Jesus Christ and in his kingdom that we can misbehave. We can't do it. Matter of fact, if you're a citizen in the kingdom of God, if you're attached to Jesus Christ, he's going to throw his umbrella over you and he's saying, these are mine, you belong to me. And when the time comes and things get rough and things get bad, I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. And when we finally get before the throne of God in heaven, I'm going to claim you. You're mine. You're in my kingdom. You're under the protection. You're in the domain of God because you're in me, in Jesus Christ. That's where we want to be, in Jesus. We don't want to be ugly citizens. 
We don't want to be ugly Christians. We want to be the very best that we possibly can be. But we want what we want to do more than anything else, that's where we want to be, right next to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God help you get there and stay there. Shall we stand and sing?